Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bender, and I'm the host of the podcast and manager of BT Powerhouse as well. And excited to continue on in our season preview series, rolling through the conference. We, we've hit a lot of the, the main teams so far um, and continuing on tonight um, in what should be a uh, and very anticipated season for the Rutgers community here for the Scarlet Knights. Um, we'll be taking a look at, at Rutgers from, from front to back, so to speak. Um, a lot to talk about, and to help us break it down, we have Aaron uh, from our SB Nation Rutgers site. Uh, Aaron, how's it going? Very well, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Uh, definitely excited for the season, and uh, the weather's starting to change, and uh, practice started this week, so can't wait, wait for everything to get going. Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining us. I, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if we've had you on before. I know we had Dave from your site. Um, but if you could just give listeners a, a quick soundbite as far as where they can check out your stuff. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we're the uh, Rutgers site for SB Nation on the banks.com. And uh, our uh, Twitter handle is uh, OTB underscore SB Nation. And uh, we uh, cover, uh, obviously, basketball pretty extensively, uh, myself and Dave. And then uh, we also try to cover all the uh, other uh, sports. Um, you know, a lot of people, the Big Ten, think, you know, football is terrible. And, uh, but Rutgers is actually improving a lot in a lot of sports right now. And we try to cover it all. So uh, definitely check us out. But um, uh, on the banks.com. Excellent. Well, why don't we start there? I mean, I, I think over the last, uh, what is it? I think it, I think we're going on year six now uh, since Rutgers has, has joined the Big Ten um, and hasn't been the best transition uh, to put to put things lightly. Uh, a couple of really, really rough years, um, but things have, have been improving here recently on the hardwood. Um, what, what's the feeling among the Rutgers community coming into the season? Where are expectations at? And what's just kind of the vibe of the fan base? People are very excited. Um, you know, I, I've uh, and I've had this conversation with Dave, but I think it's the, the most anticipated season since the second year uh, with, when Mike Rice was coach, 2011-2012 uh, season. Um, so, uh, you know, almost a decade uh, Rutgers hasn't had a winning season since 2006. They haven't made the postseason since 2006. And there's real hope that this team will be able to break both of those streaks. Um, you know, people just absolutely believe in Steve Peichel. Uh, you know, he's taken this pre- – he really inherited the program uh, at a – I call it the worst power uh, – excuse me, worst high major program in the country uh, when he took it over. Their Ken Palm rating was 279. Uh, which, if you think about it, for, for high major is is un, unfathomable, um, and he uh, he's really made strides year over year. We knew coming in he wasn't someone that was going to turn things around overnight, um, but bit by bit, brick by brick, uh, he's been able to build this program up. The foundation is strong. Uh, he has been able to recruit relatively well, um, and but I think the key is he's been able to find guys that fit who he, he who he wants. Um, and the style of player he wants. And I think this year, what makes it so exciting is it truly is his team, his fourth season now. Um, he's got some real weapons. Uh, they're probably going to be the best offensively they've been in a very long time. And I think uh, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. And, you know, we saw bits and pieces of it, flashes of it last season, uh, where they really threatened to kind of jump in that middle of the pack in the Big Ten. And I, I think expectation-wise, 
that's the hope this season is that they have a winning record, that they're, they're an NIT type team, uh, and, and they challenge for the middle of the pack in the big 10. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I just want to highlight a, a couple of the, the stats you were talking about with, with regard to Rutgers and, and sort of this rise that we've seen since uh, Steve Peichel has, has taken over and you hit it right on the head. They, I, I have it in front of me, but Rutgers at the end of the 2015, 2016 season. So just a couple of years ago, they were 279th on Ken Bob, which is horrible. Like there's no way to, <laughs> to express that. And to put, <laughs> and to put that, it, it, to put that into perspective a little bit over the last three seasons, the big 10 hasn't even had a team outside of the top 150. So that is like 130 spots lower than uh, the worst Big Ten team over the last three years. So this is like another stratosphere uh, of sucking. <laughs> and he took it. He took it over. And Rutgers last season got all the way up to 78th on Ken Pop. So literally a 200 spot rise on Ken Pop. And obviously. Part of that is just like if you're a power five team, there's no way you can stay that low consistently. I mean, it, it takes a real effort. Uh, you know, I, I talk <laughs> about I talk about this. I, I you know, I live in Michigan, grew up with the Detroit Lions who are considered they got to be. I mean, right up there with the Browns for the worst NFL teams ever. And the year they went 0 16, you know, net, didn't win a game. It, it was a record for the while. The Browns have since tied uh the ineptitude at 0 and 16 but it was like a three or four year process of it, it sounds weird but like building up to that like that's how uh-huh. bad it was it you know it took things going wrong just so many stupid decisions and that's where Rutgers was when Steve Peichel took over it took years to get to that absolute bottom uh point but now 200 spots higher and the thing that uh you know I wrote in my season preview which We'll be posting on the site here in the next month and a half or so. But uh, is last year, you know, the first two years under Peichel, things you could see some progress, but things it still felt like a little hollow. You know, they pick up an upset or they'd rack up a bunch of wins. But, you know, the wins would come against a lot of bad opponents. The upset would be sort of a one off. Last year, it felt like it was actually sustainable. Like it felt like it was something real where they had expectations. I know I was talking about it. You know, they had some games down the stretch where you think, man, they should have won that game. You know, they let that slip away. And I think that alone is progress and speaks to how far this team's coming, where they're playing in a conference like the Big Ten, uh, especially last year when it was so deep and, and so talented. And there were games where you can legitimately say, yeah, they probably should have won that game and they and they let it slip away. So I think that's that's a lot of prog- or speaks volumes about how far this program has come, um, and now of course is the big challenge, which is taking the next step from decent, respectable to uh, a contender in in the Big Ten. Um, and and let let's talk on that point a little bit about the roster. Uh, not not a ton coming and going this season for Rutgers in terms of just overall bodies. Um, but they have lost uh, some significant uh, contributors this offseason. Uh, can you touch on just who the program has lost this offseason and, moreover, uh, who they're bringing in? Sure, absolutely. It's definitely been an interesting offseason. Um, there was a huge shock to the program when Eugene Omaroyi, who was the leading scorer, leading rebounder for last year, 
and really what, who everybody thought was the heart and soul of the team, um, pulled a, a surprise move and announced a, a midnight transfer on social media. Uh, and what made it worse was that earlier that day, Rutgers announced they were going to play a game in Toronto, which is uh, right outside of his hometown. Uh, they're playing St. Mm-hmm. Bonaventure in the, the Neesmith Classic. But they were doing that game for him to honor him as a senior. And literally six hours later, he announces on social media that he's transferring. So, um, you know, that, that was a huge shock. Uh, there's definitely, uh, and actually this week he, he went on a, a site and, uh, you know, he, he said some words that is, there's definitely bad blood there. I think that um, there might have been a, a little bit of a disconnect with some of the new guys. Um, and I think that for whatever reason, he thought the grass was greener. He went to Oregon, obviously a very uh, good established program. Um, but he kind of made a comment like, well, I want to play in the tournament. So I think that this team uh, definitely has a chip on their shoulder uh, with him leaving. Obviously, he's a huge loss on the court. Um, but I think there's some signs, too, that, you know, in a weird way, this actually might play more into um, Pico's hands in terms of the type of style he wants to play. There definitely be more up-tempo this season. Um, and you saw with the win at Iowa at the end of last season when I was ranked, you know, Rutgers blew their doors off, and, and Omarori uh, was a non-factor in that game. So I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom with him gone. Obviously, uh, it's a huge loss, but I think that uh, they'll be able um, to mix and match. And one of the newcomers uh, is a quasi Yaboa. He's a grad transfer from Stony Brook. Uh, Pykele actually recruited him to Stony Brook before he came to Rutgers. Um, he's, he's not as much of a post-up guy. He's more of an outside-in guy. He takes uh, about two-thirds of his shots from the perimeter, um, but he's similar build, similar size, um, and I think that he comes in knowing Peichel, uh, the team's embraced him, and I think he's definitely going to make up for, for a lot of uh, the minutes and, and time in the, at the four uh, that, that they're missing with Omaruri. Um, they also lost Shaq Dorson, a four-year guy, uh, well, five-year guy, but um, uh, the last year, uh, the improvement he made under Peichel, uh, he was a, a rim protector, uh, a solid rebounder, uh, and a very, a very underrated defender. And I think they're really going to miss that from him. Um, I think he did an outstanding job the last two years going up against the trees of the Big Ten, and I think he gave them a lot there. Um, he wasn't a big offensive com- contributor, but, um, you know, they don't grow, you don't grow seven-footers, uh, you know, every day either. So they're definitely yeah. going to miss him. Those were the two losses. Um, and then in addition to Yaboa, they had Paul Mulcahy, um, who's a very uh, versatile point guard, pass-first point guard, 6'6 guy. Um, he was recruited by some other Big Ten schools. Northwestern really wanted him. Uh, and he ended up staying home. Uh, and I, that was a huge recruiting win for Peichel. And I think ultimately, you know, uh, I think they're going to work him in, kind of ease him in. But I think uh, he, he's the type of player that Peichel's kind of been trying to find. He hasn't been able to find that floor general um, through his, his four years previously. And I think Mulcahy, he's, they recruited him for over two years. And I think it, that really shows where the program's going in terms of the type of player he is. Um, he's really going to be able to push the pace. He's an excellent passer. Um, and he's going to be a, a, a tough matchup for other point guards long-term in the Big Ten. You know, he has a ways to go defensively and he uh, his shot, but I think that he's going to be able to be a guy that can be a spark plug off the bench um, and provide, uh, really be able to move the ball around and uh, and, and find guys in, in good positions to, to score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's, uh, 
I mean, obviously Eugene Omarori is a is a big loss. Uh, as you said, you know, maybe Rutgers stylistically will be able to get around it a little bit, but you know, he from my my approach, uh, he was the best player on the team. So that's that's gonna be a, a big loss that's felt. Um, but you hope that some of this youth, you know, Rutgers is a very young team last season. They bring back just about everybody else. So you hope uh, the youth can emerge and, and maybe Rutgers plays a little more of the uh, the smaller lineup and, and can kind of gain that way. So it, it should be interesting. Um, well, but more, Thomas, you know, oh, and I, I did forget to, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention uh, he's not new to the program, but he did sit out last season is uh, Texas transfer Jacob Young. Uh, who's going to yeah. be one of the point guards. Um, he's a real athletic guy. Uh, he can score in bunches. Uh, he's really going to push the pace. Uh, his brother, Joe, played for the Indiana Pacers. His father was a, a legendary player at the University of Houston. Um, he had some big games at Texas, uh, but was a bit inconsistent there. So, uh, But they've been just raving about him in the last year and, and this offseason in terms of his development, the way he's kind of become a leader within the program. Uh, and I think that he's going to give them an element on the court that, you know, the Big Ten really hasn't seen Rutgers have. Um, you know, it may be a little reminiscent of Corey Sanders, but I think uh, a, a little bit different also. And I think defensive, uh, defensively, he's going to give them a presence. Um, he's going to be able to match up with opposing point guards and really be a problem. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He, he's someone who uh, definitely is worthy of mention. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um but uh, moving moving back a little bit, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about who's walking in the door, who, who's walking out the door. Um, what, what are the, some of the things as, as far as this team that you're you're the most optimistic about, uh, most confident about? And then, of course, on the other side, uh, what are your biggest concerns and, and biggest question marks coming into the season? They're, they're going to be, uh, you know, we hear the term positionless basketball. I think that uh, the flexibility, the versatility uh, with the roster, um, they're uh, very deep perimeter wise, but they have, you know, countless guys on the roster now that can play multiple positions. Um, and I think that's really going to be an asset for a coach like Paykel. He really likes to mix and match lineups based on the opponent, based on the situation. And I think you're going to see a lot of interesting lineup combinations. Uh, and I think that's going to be a real asset for them. Uh, you know, you have guys like uh, Montez Mathis that can play the two or the three. You have a guy who's now six seven, Caleb McConnell, who's going to be a sophomore. He can play the one, two, or three. Geo Baker, you know, uh, was the point guard last season. He's probably better suited off the ball. Uh, you know, Ron Harper Jr., who I definitely want to talk about. I think he's going to be their best player. He can really play the three or the four. Quasi Yaboa can play the three or the four. Um, you know, even a Peter Kiss can, can play multiple positions. So I think um, that lineup versatility and, and, and able to mix and match is really going to be a strength. I think they're going to be a, a lot more perimeter oriented and being able to, to push the pace. Um, you know, shooting is certainly a concern. It always has been with this team. For, for many years now, um, they've been a poor shooting team. And I think that's going to be a key uh, improvement-wise, especially from the free-throw line. They've really shot themselves in the foot the last few years. Uh, they've averaged, you know, in the low 60s. That really has to improve. Even if they, if they become an average free-throw shooting team, it'll be a huge uh, positive uh, difference for the team this year. Um, and I think that uh, they're going to be able to have more balanced scoring than they've had in the past. I think they'll be able to have four or five guys that can score double figures uh, on any given night, which they really haven't had before. 
Um, last year, turnovers were a major problem. Uh, so I think that having a guy like Jacob Young and Paul Mulcahy, you know, I think they instantly become their two best ball handlers. So I think that's going to be key. And I think their passing will be improved because of it. Miles Johnson, uh, the big center, he was a redshirt freshman last year. You know, Pykele's called him the best passer on the team. He's going to be on the floor uh, much more so this season uh, as well. And then I think that also, you know, and Pykele even said it this week, defense, um, although it's kind of been a calling card under Pykele since he's been there, um, they're, they're concerned they've kind of flipped the script, so to speak, where they're going to be much better offensively but uh, they're worried about the, how they're going to be defensively, which I think you're going to see a lot more. You know, Pykele's been very adamant about being a man-to-man team since he's been at Rutgers. But I think this season you're going to see a lot more um, just a mixture. I think you'll see more full-court pressure, three-quarters court pressure, um, and even some zone. I think they're really going to have to be a little creative. Um, you know, Omarori and Dorson were, were real strengths defensively. Jay Young, assistant coach, uh, who's now the head coach at Fairfield, ran the defense. Um, and really brought that team an edge. Um, and I, I think that they're going to have to find their way there um, and be able to, to uh, develop on the defensive end uh, this season. But I think, um, you know, and the other concern that I have is they do have two open scholarship spots. So I think, you know, uh, any injury that happens to a key player is going to be exacerbated by that fact. Um, you know, and I think uh, uh, in the front court, uh, Mamadou Decor missed most of last season. He, he got a lot of playing time his freshman year. Um, he only played six games last season. Uh, he's back. He's healthy. But I think he's a big question mark in terms of what they'll be able to get out, get from him uh, in the front court. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, I think for me, as far as positives, I, I think uh, from a big picture perspective here, you know, Rutgers, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast tonight, Super young last season on Ken Palm, 330th in team experience, you know, playing three freshmen in very, very significant minutes. Additionally, playing a, a couple guys with sophomore eligibility, a bunch more minutes. You never know what's going to happen in college basketball. There's always some uncertainty, but it's not really a controversial statement to say freshmen generally get better when they turn into sophomores. Sophomores generally get better when they turn into juniors. And Rutgers has a lot of them. They have a lot of guys, uh, you know, that had experience. They're going to have a chance to go back, get better, put on a little extra weight, get a little stronger. Um, so I, I think for me, if I'm a Rutgers fan, I'm super excited about that because if all of these guys, you know, get five, 10% better, uh, the team is going to improve substantially. Um, on the other side, uh, I, I, I'm concerned about rebounding. I know they might be playing a, a little bit of a different style, but, you know, losing two really, really big rebounders, uh, specifically Amori, who, who was really good on both, you know, the defensive boards and the offensive boards. Uh, that's something I would be concerned about if I'm a Rutgers fan. Um, you know, Miles Johnson did show, you know, some nice potential on that front. Um, but is he going to be able to maintain that uh, and or grow this season? Uh, is a question mark. So for me, I, you know, I think the rising youth is, is something to be really excited about. Um, and then conversely, maybe the rebounding and, and front court more generally, I, I think there's going to be maybe some growing pains there. We'll see. Um, but if, if Johnson's ready to go, maybe they can overcome some of those. Um, but, uh, but with that, why, why don't we move into uh, for a second here? Um, let me just 
pull it up, but uh, Rutgers is scheduled this season. Um, obviously, I, I say this all the time on these previews now, but with the 20-game Big Ten schedule, uh, things are a little more predictable in, in conference play. We don't really have to break down that as much, but non-conference play, uh, you mentioned the game in Toronto. Rutgers also is going to get pit um, in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They get the t- typical game with Seton Hall. Uh, what do you make of the schedule this season and specifically the the non-conference portion of it? There's very little margin for error uh, because uh, th- there are a lot of uh, games that, you know, th- they're not going to be uh, many against top 100 Kempom teams. So uh, for Rutgers to, to, to have a chance, you know, at the postseason, um, they really need to take advantage of, of all those games and, 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 so to speak, avoid the bad loss. Uh, they've had a couple of those the last few years. Uh, they lost to Hartford uh, and Stony Brook two years ago. Last year they lost at Fordham. Uh, so they really have to avoid that that type of loss. Uh, and then I think in the non-conference, you have to take advantage of those games that you mentioned. You have to win at Pitt, uh, which is a winnable game. Uh, they have Seton Hall, who's going to be very good, probably top 15 team when they see him, um, but they get him at the rack. So uh, two years ago, you know, same situation. Seton Hall was ranked 15th and they pulled the upset. Uh, so they, they need to, you know, that that's a, a definitely an opportunity to make a statement there. And then, um, yeah, you have uh, St. Bonaventure, I believe uh, it's just nine days into the season in Toronto, uh, you know, and, and they're a solid Atlanta 10 team, uh, certainly a team they should beat, but certainly not a gimme game either. So they need to win that, you know, they have UMass at home, um, but they really need to take care of business. I think uh, this, um, we didn't mention it, but in August they were in Spain. Uh, they played four games together in Spain. I think that's a huge advantage for them, uh, for this team. Uh, to really kind of get a, a head start going into the season. And I think they really need to fine-tune what they do well uh, early on before uh, you get that, that uh, early December Big Ten uh, schedule. Um, and one person I failed to mention previously that really shined in Spain, and Pykos called the most approved player, Shaq Carter, a JUCO player uh, that, that was a junior last season, um, showed some, some signs offensively, but uh, was not there defensively. Uh, or on the glass, and uh, he's transformed his body, and they, they think he's actually named one of the captains along with Geo Baker, and they think that he's going to be, if not a starter, first guy off the bench, and I think in the front court he could he could certainly fill some production uh, that's gone with Omaruri. Um But in the non-conference portion, they need to take care of business, and they need to take advantage of the opportunities. Um, you know, they really can't lose more than one game, I, I think. I mean, yeah, they could lose a couple, but um, if they could run the table in non-conference play, I think, and, and, uh, and um, you know, go into January uh, with that Big Ten schedule, I think we'll have people excited, and, and I think uh, there'll be some, some buzz around the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think generally the, the Big Ten is good enough that even if you have a so-so non-conference performance, you can make up for it Big Ten play, but... Uh, obviously that that's easier said than done um, with how the league has been recently, but uh, yeah, not conference play. I mean, I I think the big two are are obviously going to be Pitt and Seton Hall. And in a lot of ways, Rutgers' season and and postseason hopes are going to hinge on those games and a a couple more of the uh, quality opponents, but the, the beatable ones, shall we say during uh, conference play are going to be the ones that, uh, um, the season's going to ride on, but I, I like the schedule. This is a lot better, at least in my opinion, than uh, some of the early Pykele non-conference jobs where it was like 
10 teams in a row that were like 250 or worse on, on 10 bombs. <laughs> uh, so this is a, a big step up from that. Um, you know, Stephen F. Austin, who's usually one of the better non or uh, mid majors. So, I mean, there, there's some bite here. Uh, you know, you mentioned a, a neutral court road trip to Pittsburgh. Um, and the big, the big one's going to be, of course, Seton Hall and, and we'll see what happens there. But one thing I will note about the schedule, you know, we have to kind of get used to these two big 10 games popping up in December, but uh, Rutgers has a really tough schedule uh, from late November into mid December, where it's UMass at home on uh, November 29th. Then it's at Pitt at MSU Wisconsin home, Seton Hall home. So that's going to be a tough five-game stretch, um, and we'll probably learn a a lot about Rutgers uh, at that point. But but with that, why why don't we get into a a little more big-picture stuff as far as the team is concerned, Um, and let's start with the the starting lineup. Uh, Do you have a prediction of of what the lineup's going to be this year? And if you do, uh, who do you think starts uh, for the Scarlet Knights this year? Well, I, I do think that, you know, there, there might be, uh, based on the opponent matchup, there might be a little mixing and matching. You know, Peichel has talked about before, you know, he, he personally doesn't really care who starts. Obviously, that's a little bit of coach speak, but um, he really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's about who he has on the court at the end of the game. But I think it's pretty clear who the starters will be. I think Geo Baker obviously will be a starter. I think Jacob Young We'll also start in the backcourt with him. And then I think you'll probably see Ron Harper Jr. Uh, at the three to start the game. Um, but I think he'll play some four as well. And then I think the way it's trending, I think you'll see Miles Johnson and Shaq Carter starting in the front court. So I think they'll, they'll have some real size uh, in that in that starting court, but uh, front court. But like I said, I mean, they have guys, you know, Montez Mathis started a lot last season. Um, you know, Yuquazi Yaboa was a three-year starter at Stony Brook. So, they have they have some real depth there. I think that the, there's seven man rotation there. Also, Caleb McConnell, those eight guys, those those eight guys are going to get a lot of playing time, and I think that's really going to be um, the, the the guys that that are going to take them wherever they're going to go this season. Um, so I, I I think ultimately though you see Young uh, at the one, Geo at the two, Harper Jr. at the three, and then Carter at the four, Johnson at the five to start the games. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm kind of on the the same front. Uh, you know, it's it's hard. Rutgers is a little hard to predict because I feel like, you know, they have so many players coming back with experience. You know, you mentioned a guy like Mathis who started uh, what was it about 20 games or so last year, and it's rare to to be projecting a uh, you know a rising sophomore who started 20 games to be like, yeah, he might go back to the bench. Uh, but Rutgers has a, a lot of these uh, new additions, you know, some of the transfers, whether they're getting eligibility or, or popping right in. So that's kind of a, a wild card in here. But um, Geo Baker, uh, this is something I, I didn't talk about in the optimism section, shall we say, or shall we say, excuse me. Um, but I think he could be a really, really nice guard uh, for the Scarlet Knights this year. You know, obviously he he's done some damage in, in his first two seasons with the program, but I really think, uh, you know, he could be set up for an even better the year this year, especially if the team has some more offensive options around him and, and they're more willing to spread the ball out, as you say. Uh, I think he could be a guy who benefits a lot from that. But, uh, you know, the backcourt could be very dangerous with him and Young. Um, and then there's just so many options that, that you can sprinkle in here, which is, is really nice for Rutgers who, you know, just a couple of years back, as, as we said, you know, was struggling to find even five 
solid starters. Um, and now you, you can make a good argument. You know, they got six or seven guys now that Rutgers fans would probably feel pretty comfortable if, if they were starting in a, in any given game. So that's definitely progress. Um, but with that, why don't we get into, uh, everybody's favorite part, which are the season predictions. Um, so what, what are your kind of uh, thoughts? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to, you know, predict every game by game or anything ridiculous like that. Um, but what are your, your general thoughts as far as this season's concerned? Uh, does Rutgers make it into the postseason? If so, you know, which tournament do you think they're going to be in? And just kind of general thoughts for the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, real key for this team is uh, we've seen in, the, in uh, you know, Pico has really made a priority to make uh, the rack, you know, an exciting place to play. Uh, and they've been building towards establishing a home, a true home court advantage. Um, but I think this season they really need to, to really firmly establish the rack as one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. You know, they had five sellouts last season. They lost all five of those games most of them in very close fashion. Um, but I think that for this team to take another step, I think that's a real key, um, especially obviously in conference play. I think they need to win as many home games as they can uh, to really be able to make that leap. Uh, you know, and I think the expectation or the, the hope really should be to get to that 10, 10, uh, 10 win mark in conference play. Um, you know, obviously they've never had more than seven, but I think if you take care of non-conference play, you get 10, 10 wins in non-conference play. If you can get 10 wins in conference play, I think that puts them right around, uh, you know, eighth place, uh, maybe ninth, uh, and, and puts you right on the bubble. Gives you a shot going into the Big Ten tournament um, to, to really, you know, maybe get, maybe get in. I, 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 that's not my prediction. I, I think they're going to finish around ninth place, ninth, maybe tenth. Uh, I think they'll threaten uh, that bubble maybe a little bit, but I think ultimately they'll be an NIT team. Um, you know, I think that obviously there's uh, the shooting is still a concern. I think until they prove that this can be, you know, closer to a 50% shooting team night in and night out, um, you know, it does worry me a little bit. I think the transition game that they'll have, I think, uh, could could help in some of those deficiencies um, because they, they have a lot of options uh, to be able to score uh, in transition. I think we saw last year um, they have a tendency to fall in love a little bit with the perimeter. Uh, in terms of shooting behind the arc, I think if they can establish early on their ability to attack the rim uh, and, and take advantage of getting to the foul line, um, I think that will really uh, be a, a good base for their offense. You know, last year, they fin- it's funny, I was looking at the Ken Palm numbers, they finished 12th in the Big Ten in offensive efficiency and 12th in defensive efficiency, and they finished in 12th place. So, you know, you are what your numbers say you are. And yeah. I think that, you know, they really need to get uh, closer to the middle of the pack in both, um, you know, uh, on both sides of the ball. So I think, um, you know, th- there's a lot of things that can happen, but I think you talked about, you know, some of the youth kind of maturing. I think that sophomore class is really the backbone of the program right now um, with Harper Jr., who, uh, uh, you know, people in the program are so excited about him. Uh, you know, obviously his father has has quite a, a, a legacy uh, as a five-time NBA champ. Uh, he was, you know, a very underrated player in high school, went to Miami of Ohio, became a star. Um, you know, Ron Harper Jr. Was, was very underrated in high school as well. And every year since his sophomore year, he's really grown by leaps and bounds in terms of his development. 
Um, physically, he's much different going into this season. And I think he's the type of player that they need an all-league player. They need a guy on, on the court that you look at and say, this guy's one of the best players in the conference. And I think this year you'll look at Rutgers and you'll see Ron Harper Jr. And you'll say, that guy's one of the best players in the league. Um, and I think he, they, they need that type of guy. I think I agree with you on Baker. I think he's going to have a lot less pressure on him now um, because he has more of a supporting cast. He's not the guy that has to bring it off the ball every every time or even most of the time anymore. Uh, and I think he, he's the true leader of this team. And I think they re- rallied around him. Um, but ultimately, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to say they're going to finish uh, ninth place. They're going to be right outside the bubble. Uh, they're going to make the NIT for the first time. Uh, and I think they'll be, you know, right around that 18-19 win mark uh, when it's all said and done going into postseason play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Rutgers is – this is going to sound a little bit weird. I think they're going to be relatively close to what they were last year in terms of, you know, play-by-play, efficiency metrics, that kind of thing. I think they're probably going to be somewhere between 60th to 85th, somewhere around there. So I, I think generally speaking – the actual play that you're going to see on the court is going to be very similar to what you saw last year, maybe more offensive focus than defensive. I don't know if that's good or bad. That's kind of a perspective thing, but I think they're going to be pretty similar. The question for me more so is how is the big 10 going to kind of perform around them? Because uh, I could see the big 10 being just as good as it was last year, if not pretty close. I could also see the big 10 taking a pretty substantial step back in the fact that, you know, you look at some of the the conference powers of last year, you know, teams like Michigan, teams like Purdue, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Minnesota too. I mean, all teams that went to the NCAA tournament that are losing a lot of players, uh, including Michigan, who lost their their head coach. Um, so, I mean, I, I think there there's a chance that, you know, Rutgers could be kind of the same team, but end up winning uh, five or six more games. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be good enough to, to get into the NCAA tournament or be a very, very serious contender. As you mentioned, you know, maybe they're sniffing the bubble a little bit uh, in, in late January or, or something like that. But I think by the time we get it deep into February, they're not going to be in there. But if they can steal some of these games, maybe get hot in the Big Ten tournament, I think they got a shot at the NIT this year, which I know isn't going to send people doing backflips, but I think it would say a lot about this program and would mean a lot. Uh, it'd show a lot about the progress and the upward trajectory. And then it's more about just, uh, you know, this is this is the hard, you know, as you go up that mountain, you know, the air gets thinner, it gets tougher and tougher as you go up. Um, and, and this is where it, things really get difficult. I remember uh, when Northwestern was trying to do their rise and, you know, finally get into the NCAA tournament. I said this for like two, three years in a row, you know, this is where it starts getting really, really tough. Um, and I, I'm wondering if, if Rutgers is going to have enough of the top tier star power type of thing to elevate them from a, uh, you know, potential NIT team to an NCAA tournament team. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think they're going to fall short, but like I said, I, I have a feeling they're going to end up with a better record. Uh, due in big part to just uh, what I think could be a little bit of a weaker Big Ten, but but we'll see. Who who knows? Um, but uh, but Aaron, uh, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts here on Rutgers? And then uh, once again, just let people know where they can check you out. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. And uh, you know, uh, don't worry about Rutgers fans. If if they make the NIT, <laughs> we'll be thrilled. 
So, uh, you know, as people joke uh, around the program uh, within the fan base, you know, if they make the NIT a few years in a row, I mean, Pico might have a statue outside the rack one day. So, uh, you know, our, our expectations are certainly lower. Um, but I think it's really key for the Pico uh, rebuild um, for them to take a step forward this year to, to break that streak of, of a, a losing streak. Uh, they need to have a winning record. Uh, the NIT would be huge. I think from a recruiting perspective, um, he's done a good job, but he's kind of leveled off in a way. Um, you know, they're not uh, really having a chance. Right now, Chris Fulminari, a top 50 recruit, um, you know, they're in it with him. But to really make progress on the recruiting trail, they need a breakthrough this season. And I think a winning record, NIT, middle of the pack, Big Ten, that would make enough of a statement um, to keep forward progress happening. Uh, in that perspective, and I think that uh, Rutgers fans, just the enthusiasm that's around the program, the personality that Pykele has, the way he's been able to inspire uh, people around the program for, you know, it's been 29-year drought, uh, excuse me, 28-year drought uh, for the NCAA tournament, so um, I can't remember, you know, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of hope here, and I think there's substance finally, so uh, we're all excited. Uh, thanks again for having me on. You can check us out at onthebanks.com. SB Nation's Rutgers site, OTB underscore SB Nation uh, on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. And, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, sharing some emails. And, uh, you know, we get Michigan twice locally this year, Michigan <laughs> at the Garden and uh, at the Rack. So uh, we'll have to take it. Hopefully Rutgers can take advantage of that and at least win one of them. Yeah. It, I, ha- it I had to give a Michigan. I had to go Michigan, Thomas, at the end. I had to get you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's it's always expected. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what <laughs> happens. Uh, I don't know when this podcast will post, but this is before uh, Michigan and Rutgers play uh, on the football field here on Saturday. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens on football and, and basketball should be fun as well. Um, but oh, you're going to let me off the hook and not talk about football. But yeah, you had to bring <laughs> me back down. That, hey, you brought right. Michigan into it. You got to expect I'm going to I'm going to throw it in. But uh, no, but uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it to our listeners. Uh, make sure to follow and subscribe. Uh, rate us positively. Again, if you're if you're not going to rate us positively, just don't rate us. Um, but uh, with that, <laughs> check us out on Twitter. Uh, BT Powerhouse. Uh, me at T Bendit. Um, And we'll see you all next time. And thanks again. Thank you, Thomas.